everybody. This is Issa Cosette, and you are listening to Issa's Way, your favorite podcast that you didn't know existed, you didn't know you needed, but we're so glad you're here. And today we have a very special guest, Y.A. Tumor, the author of She Would Be King and the memoir, The Dragons, the Giant, and the Women, released by Greywood Press. She's also the recipient of the 2019 Lannan Literary Fellowship for Fiction, I was moved when I read She Would Be King, and I said, I want to know how to tell our stories. I felt inspired to be able to know how we can use our gifts, how we can move throughout the diaspora, how water is healing. It's just such an honor to share space with you, to read your work, and finally reconnect and hear more about your journey. Can you tell the people just a little bit about yourself and how you became a fiction writer? Thank you so much for that glorious introduction. I'm happy to be here. I know that we've been trying to connect for a while, so I'm glad we're finally able to get it done. Um, I've been writing for a while, actually. I started writing when I was very young. My mom is in education, and when we moved to America, she she realized that we had um, a lot of questions are about our displacement and about our new home. So she would always have us in a library. So we're always reading. We were we do art projects, and she exposed us to the arts pretty early as a way to facilitate our rehabilitation um, and and our adjustment to the United States as a new home. And so writing was a part of my life from when I was very young. I knew I wanted to be a storyteller. I actually started school for theater. I went to NYU to Tisch and um, writing was present then. And it just so happened to eclipse performance and it has taken front stage over the past maybe decade and a half of my life or decade, I should say. And um, yeah, but I am, I always knew that I wanted to be a writer. I was introduced to uh, the arts at a very young age and writing has been my main form of exploring my love for storytelling for the last 10 years or so. I think that's amazing how our mothers know how to nurture our gifts. They know how to be able to connect our dots and especially as they navigate through different worlds as they try to, or they grow themselves because just that movement, I'm thinking about um, my recent experience of just mapping migration, thinking about memory, and thinking about how absence and displacement and migration and movement and motherhood are frequent themes in, in Black women novel and even in your memoir and your book. Um, how has motherhood and migration influenced your writer as you think about your mother? And as well, now you are a mother um, to mm -hmm. River. How has these processes shaped you before you became a mother? And then now as a mother, when you're thinking about these processes of passing this gift of storytelling onto your daughter? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm very close to my mom. She is one of my best friends. Um, she got married when she was pretty young. She was 21, started having kids at 23. So she had me when she was like 24, 25. And I couldn't imagine at this point having an 11, 12 year old, right? So she was so young um, and what that did on one hand is it helped us all to grow up together in the US. It's as if like we all sort of our collective identity as a family became as a result of all of us kind of being at the same level of, of literacy in as, as far as American culture is concerned. 
and that contributes to our closeness as a family. I know that obviously the other end of that is like my mom was was always has always been because her life just was abruptly abruptly disrupted by the war. She had gotten this wonderful opportunity to come to America, go to this Ivy League school, have a Fulbright, and her plans were to, of course, return home and contribute to Liberia in a meaningful way in the education sector, but then because of the war, she wasn't able to do that, and her life took a very different turn. And so I saw a lot of tension, for for sure, um, in her life growing up, and she taught me a lot about dreaming, about ambition, about being steadfast when it comes to the things that you, you, you genuinely want. And I think because my mom and my relationship is probably, um, if not the closest relationship outside of my new family, obviously, that I have in my life, um, that dynamic, that motherhood, daughterhood dynamic surfaces in my creative work. Um, and I've also had an opportunity now as a mom myself, as you were saying, everything that I, every day with River, it gives me a deeper understanding of the different things my mom was going through and the choices that she had to make over the course of our lives. Um, and it does then make my negotiation of motherhood on the page, which was really previously just informed by my mom and my friendship and our relationship, but now it's more colorful and more textured because I was coming perhaps only from the daughterhood perspective, but now I am, my work is informed by the motherhood perspective as well. And so that, that texture, that texture has been fun to navigate. I love that. And I love learning new things and exploring and navigating and uncovering new ideas and thinking about um, just how we move in waves and things come in their timing. You know, another theme that is present in your work is the sea and river, obviously naming your daughter that you have this calling to the water and the water can be really healing in a spiritual way. And Maybe you can talk about while you've been researching, thinking with the marine life or your new novel that you're working on, um, what is some interesting fact that you didn't know that you've come upon that's challenged or changed your thinking? Um, um, all of it is speculation. Well, one, one interesting tidbit is speculation about how there are um, ancient alien theorists and as well as, you know, people who are just, I guess, alien theorists or, or students of UFOs and UAPs who believe that there is extraterrestrial, if not life, certainly energy in the ocean and what that looks like and what that implies, right? Because, I mean, obviously we all know that there's so much of the ocean that's unexplored, but the fact that we tend to look outward when it comes to answers about our planet and about our universe and about our galaxy. And it's interesting to me that the conversation has now turned inward and it is about, okay, well, what do we have here that's actually on our planet that can inform which direction we should go in next or can inform some of our technologies and can inform some of our 
notions about UAPs and UFOs. And I think that that's been really fascinating and that can, that's transferable, right? Because how many times do we look outward for answers? Do we look outward for advice and for like, you know, benchmarks to where we should be going um, as opposed to inward and realizing that a lot of the questions, a lot of the answers that we, we seek, we have, we have access to, it's just, it's been unexplored. So that's been really poignant. And I've been meditating on that for a while. Like what is, what is, what's right here at home that's just unexplored um, that I've been missing. I can't remember the German philosopher, but he has a saying, it's like, where are you going always home? And in one of my romantic classes I took in my grad program was just that notion of like uncovering what's already in front of you. And sometimes, especially as we grow or as we migrate or go to different places, when we come back home, we see things in a different way. So being able, like being present in home, whether it's in New York or in Liberia or in Texas, right? To be able to see and uncover the truth of how or how things just reveal themselves is um, powerful because many many times we can overlook things. And there was like many notions throughout your books that I would be able to resonate with like, oh, wow, you know, and I think had you not pointed out, I probably would have overlooked it. So there is power in you seeing and helping us see as well. And thinking about just in which directions do we go? You not only are an author, you are an entrepreneur, right? You guys, you have a nonprofit and a publishing company bookstore, and you're working on other businesses with your husband. Like, I think that's amazing. So I know, and, and you mentioned how your mother inspired you to be steadfast. And so um, what keeps you going to expand into other avenues and not be afraid to try something new? It depends on the season. I mean, before in previous seasons of my life, it was definitely wanting to ensure that I had the resources to explore this world fully. Like I never believed in being the struggling artist. I think that I am my best when I'm able to contextualize a character by a really extraordinary experience or a really extraordinary trip abroad or whatever not just in like regurgitating books that I've read, books that everyone's read. Um, I, I want to be out in the world. And I knew that in order to be out in the world, I needed to be economically empowered. So I was always working, always creating. And that was my motivation for a long time. I wanted to be um, empowered fully to explore this world. And I wanted to be able to empower others fully, whether it's my siblings or my friends or my people I collaborated with or, or now my children. Um, and then of course that switched. Um, and then it was really just about creating useful entities, things that people could use because there's so much that's out there that we just don't need, right? Um, and then of course now my motivation is my daughter. So it really just has depended on the season. That's what's been able to determine for me what motivates me and what drives me. That is key to be able to. And that's like what has been like my mission in the past like two years. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going to be a poet and I'm making space for other writers and creators or with people with self-care in the island. But um, yeah, 
I'm making an effort to pay these creatives because I think it's important, but yet, you know, making sure that I'm good to make sure other people is good has been my prayer and my practice. And so to not be that struggling artist, right? But sometimes when you think about it, there's other people who have other privileges that we don't even realize. So to set yourself and make that foundation so that you can continue to explore, right? And your legacy can explore. And other people who, like when you think about the children in the bookstores or, um, or the who you make these, um, the children books and stuff, like who don't have these access to be able to move and see, but because, you know, you have been able to go out to the world and can translate this into a way that they can see themselves that one day when they do get to visit a different town or a different country, they're like, oh, well, I was inspired by the Moors, right? I was inspired by someone who showed me that it was possible to dream and it was important to make strategic plans, right? To live this lifestyle. And I think that's amazing. And thinking about the season, timing is everything. I know that you have something special to share with us today that share that celebrates your writing and your truth yes so i'm gonna to read to you actually from um my memoir um it's the beginning of the second sec- section and it is about um love i'll just say <laughs> it says we had been together for two years all of which were long distance Long-distance relationships begin beautifully and suddenly, sometimes by accident, and thereafter smoke rises, not because all is burned to ashes, but because there is always something left in the pipe. This was the other side of love. Everything infuriated me. Everyone was guilty. During the fall after that relationship, the days were long and mornings came too soon. The sun crept toward the body of that girl hidden under blankets that girl still running, that girl who lay on bare floors with her Oma, who lay in New England attics with her new immigrant family, and that girl who lay with her sweetheart on an air mattress that flattened during the night while he was in college or in med school or unemployed. In those days, he could not afford a bed. The Omas did not tell us that you could not throw away love once it was finished, that it would remain on us like blackened scars underneath blouses and in those places only we could see that we would reach a point where it, once solid, would melt in our hands and we would never fully wash off its residue. And that some love, the truest love, also the most dangerous, could disfigure our core. When we were children and the teachers told stories of love we did not fully understand, then they began to have different conversations with the girls than they had with the boys. They separated us into rooms in those elementary schools in Connecticut and in Memphis and in spring, divided by thin walls where we could still hear the boys laughing as they explained our parts, the unmentionable parts, the parts between our legs that were rude to speak of. And when we giggled our way through our questions, the teachers mentioned love, but we did not fully understand it. So Papa and Ma'am tried to explain it and they spoke of love in that creamy, sterilized way, stripped of those parts that were rude to speak of. And because they censored our parts, neglecting mention of those stiffening limbs, I did not believe its bigness. I ignored the rage in their eyes. Our love for each other saved our family, they would say. Our love for each other got us through the war, they would say. My love for ma'am, he said. My love for Gus, she said. And how could anything I would find live up to that? The heart, yes. The love, the understanding, the things that we go through. Thank you so much for sharing just that part of you and your growing experience of the journey and 
Whitey, how are you on your way? How am I on my way? I am settling into motherhood. And I think that has been the most profound exploration of my humanity that I have ever experienced and will ever experience. I think motherhood looks good on you. I mean, I think it's a beautiful experience to be able to witness because I'm not ready. So more power to you and the fact that <laughs> you have your community and your siblings who also have children, they can be. And that's one thing as well, like, you know, to grow up with your cousins or family instead of just like kind of being like the only one and not really. So I think that's powerful. And then I hope that once again, like, everything and all your transitions continue to be smooth and peaceful as you guys go and um, and do many things across the waters. And I'm always supporting and rooting for you and looking forward to the next and the next and the next great things that you continue to produce for us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Tell the people where can they connect with you? Where can they buy your books? Where can they can support? Um, you can buy my books at your local independent bookstore. Um, you can also look at online retailers. The only place where I, I would say I regularly post is Instagram and it's just at Wyetu, W-A-Y-E-T-U. Look her up, send her love and continue to make space for these wonderful stories that she's creating. To all my wonderful listeners, wherever you are on your journey, just know that your story is important and continue to explore whatever way you feel is useful because we need it. Until next time, this is Issa Cosette. Y'all be blessed. Thank you.